the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Wednesday, April the 13th, 2022, in the year of our Lord. On April 13, 1970, Apollo 13, four-fifths of its way to the moon, was crippled when a tank containing liquid oxygen burst. You may remember that, a movie was made about that incident. Today in 1743, the third president of the United States, Thomas Jefferson, he was born in Shadewell in the Virginia colony. Today in 1943, President Franklin D. Roosevelt dedicated the Jefferson Memorial in Washington, D.C. on the 200th anniversary of the third American president's birth. Today in 1999, right to die, I would call him more the assisted suicide advocate, Dr. Jack Kevorkian. He was sentenced in Pontiac, Michigan to 10 to 25 years in prison for second-degree murder in a lethal injection of a Lou Gehrig's disease patient. Kevorkian ended up serving, I believe it was eight years, not the 10 to 25 years. He was an advocate that took advantage of people in their weakest moments. God is a God of life. Jack Kevorkian was a messenger of death. They've called it a lot of different things in Washington and Oregon. We kind of led the nation here in the Northwest. They've called it death with dignity. I understand death is a very impactful moment for those who are left behind, who love the person that passes away. I also understand that sometimes we go through pain and struggle prior to our death. I understand that as a pastor. I've walked through that with many families many times. But I also understand that God is the giver of life. And when we begin to usurp God's role in humanity, we are assuming the role of God ourselves. And for that, we will always take a stand against it. There is no such thing as, well, as they call it, right to die. They avoid right to life by pushing Planned Parenthood and Margaret Sanger and abortion as one of the favored industries in America. But then they also want to push the idea of convincing people that when they get old, they're not necessarily productive anymore and give them this option to end their life. I can't tell you how strongly I feel about Jack Kevorkian and that whole movement. It's very, very bothersome to me because it, it just speaks of, of Satan himself in his deceptions. Moving on. Today in 2020, 
Bernie Sanders urged his progressive supporters to rally behind Joe Biden's presidential campaign. It happened just overnight. It, it literally was like the sun went down and Bernie Sanders was was gaining momentum, really, and he had a huge following. And the sun came up the next morning and Bernie Sanders said, let's all get behind Joe Biden. I don't know. There are people who would know, but I don't know what happened overnight. But somebody had a talk with Bernie. There's no question about that. And they, whatever was said, changed his mind. And Bernie now is a supporter of Joe Biden. I guess it was for the greater good. I don't know what the talk was, but there was a talk. I can guarantee you somebody had a conversation with Bernie overnight. It just happened in a 24-hour period, 2020. So they all lined up behind Joe Biden because he had so much experience in government. In fact, he spent his whole adult life in government. That's all he knows is how Washington, D.C. works. But now in his state of affairs, he can't administer it properly. He can't be the politician that he once was, apparently. So now people are beginning to say, we need a change. In fact, Fox News has a report this morning. I'm not going to talk about it. I didn't read it. I glanced at it. I didn't read all of it. But um, they're interviewing people, in, particularly in San Francisco, but in California generally, but, but uh, focused on uh, the San Francisco area. And they're talking to a lot of people on the street, and I didn't get the feeling that they were just, you know, looking for, you know, like right-wing-looking people, whatever they look like, whatever we look like. But they were just finding people on the street. And there was an amazing number of people in and around the, that market there in downtown San Francisco and other places that were saying very respectfully they like Nancy Pelosi, they like Diane Feinstein, and so on. But they were saying to Fox, this was just, they published it this morning. They were saying, we need a change. We need to move on. Their time has come and gone, and they haven't moved forward with the times, whatever that means. I suppose that means more progressive or whatever. But even the people in San Francisco, which is a bastion of progressive so-called politics, the people are talking about the fact that it isn't working anymore. Their solution to their problem that it isn't working anymore is not a not a sound solution at all. But the conversation is happening. And these people were telling Fox, a lot of them were telling Fox that one guy was a construction worker. He voted for for uh, Pelosi forever and so on. He said he just can't do it anymore. He feels like we need to make a change. So that's interesting. We'll see how that moves forward. There's a small Christian college in Michigan. You may be aware of it. It's very well known. By small, I mean it's not 50,000 students. I, I'm not sure what the enrollment is there, but it's it's a fairly good size, but it's small compared to most of the colleges and particularly the universities across America. It's called Hillsdale. It's in Hillsdale, Michi- uh, Michigan. It's called Hillsdale College. And... Um, I pay attention to it. I don't have any connection to it. I have had uh, connections to and have worked at a couple of colleges in the past. One is Seattle Pacific University, as many of you know in Seattle. I don't have any connection to this college, although my wife and I have contributed to it some in the past because they do a 
just a terrific job from a conservative point of view. They're not billed as a Christian college, but they are uh, billed as a conservative, uh, a bastion of conservatism, a very smart conservatism. And uh, a lot of the, the people there are Christians, but they are not, there's no shadow of turning with these people. I don't see any indication over the years of, as is usually the case with Christian um, education, you see it begin to veer to the left. And we've talked about that, some of the Christian colleges and universities and how after a period of time, these colleges and universities are built on the back and the hard work and the sweat and the tears and the prayers of good biblical Christian people two or three generations previous. And by the time we get to now, two or three generations later, they're having, you know, LGBTQ clubs and they're having to introduce new kinds of curriculum to accommodate and blah, 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 all of this stuff, which is disgusting and it's unnecessary, but it happens. Well, this, as far as I know, this hasn't happened to Hillsdale College in Hillsdale, uh, Michigan. But what they what they came out, they came out with a press release this week, and I just wanted to share this with you because it, to me it was kind of a light in the darkness, and I thought, well, praise the Lord. Um, it was founded, the school's old, it was founded in 1844, and um, they came out, and they're offering this new curriculum. It's called 1776 Curriculum. This is probably related to some of the research that President Trump um ordered to be done when he was president, but it's for grades uh, kindergarten through grade 12, and it's free. And they're offering this to people uh, who want to use it. And according to the college's website, I took just a moment and looked at it, the curriculum provides, quote, an education that is both classical and American in its orientation, one that is rooted in liberal arts and sciences, sciences and offers a firm grounding in civic virtue and cultivates moral character. Now, they've had a lot of people that advocate for those things. Bill Bennett, the former head of uh, education under Reagan and different people speak there often. And I do follow who their speakers are. And um, they often address this civic virtue and moral character is, is a common theme among their guest speakers at the college. But they have now created this this curriculum that they're offering. In addition to that, what this college is doing, it, this is just, to me, this was, I said, praise the Lord, this is a good thing. So what they've done now, they have begun to set up a a system of charter schools. And the charter school, I, I won't get into how they operate. I think most of you know they're, they're kind of a hybrid. They're they're pub, part of public education, but they're run locally, uh, and the parents are very involved in all of them that I have known about. And some of them take a very liberal uh, turn. These charter schools—they're not all conservative. Some of them are way far left, but there is that option of the leadership to kind of set a course for the school. They have to meet certain criteria, but set a course for the school. So anyway. What they've done, Hillsdale has, they are setting up this system of charter schools, and they now have 21 charter member schools located in 10 states. And the parents are very involved. 
the people that are running the school are very involved. They're meeting the criteria that they need to meet to be a charter school in these states. But they are they are um, giving a, a, a very conservative footprint to what the school is teaching. And so this is growing like wildfire. I mean, people are saying, parents are saying, what is this? And a lot of Christians are, but not all are Christians. I mean, a lot of them are just conservative. They just want their children to learn civic virtue and moral character, not whether I'm a boy or a girl and transgenderism and all this nonsense. So this is happening very quietly, and the press isn't talking a lot about this, but I think they will as we go forward because this is going to be very impactful as I said, they have a 21 charter member uh, schools now based in 10 states. The states that they're in are Alabama, Arkansas, California, Colorado, Florida, Louisiana, Massachusetts, Michigan, Missouri, uh, New Hampshire, New York, North Carolina, Tennessee, Utah, Virginia, and Wyoming. There's even one, I'm, I'm not sure why this is, but there's one of these schools in Ecuador that has adopted uh, all of this um, curriculum and so on that they've created but the charter schools they're publicly funded within each school they serve and are independently operated you know how the charter school works it's been very resisted in certain states here in the northwest but anyway this hillsdale website reports that there are currently more than 14,000 students enrolled in affiliated schools and there's more than 8,000 students as of yesterday on waiting lists to get into these schools. That's how significant the need is for true conservative in this case, but even as much or more so Christian conservative education. People are awakened to the fact that we have a problem with education and a number of other parts of our culture. There's a lot of confusion in the world today. We talk about misinformation. I talked about it a little bit yesterday, how that uh, in this conference about misinformation, the conference itself, in yesterday's discussion that we had, the conference itself was putting out disinformation about the subject of disinformation. I'll tell you, it, it, it could be very confusing, and that's why we have these talks every morning to talk about such things. But it isn't new to our generation. This kind of thing has been around forever because Satan is the great deceiver. Isaiah wrote about it, Isaiah chapter 50, verse 7. He said, For the Lord God will help me. Therefore shall I not be confounded or confused. Therefore I have set my face like a flint, and I know that I shall not be ashamed. In other words, he's focused on what he knows to be the truth on Almighty God. And he said, the Lord God will help me. Well, I wanted to pass that along to you today and tell you the Lord God will help you too, and me, in these unbelievably confusing times that we live in. But God is with us. And as I say so often, and I don't want it to become a cliche, but it is a truth for sure. God is in control. Texas Governor Greg Abbott is following through on his plan to, and his promise, to send illegal immigrants apprehended in his state to the nation's capital. Remember a while back, he said President Biden is dumping 
thousands, hundreds of thousands of people into the state of Texas. We, we don't have the capacity to help them to, to do what's needed for them. So he said if he continues with his present current policies, and he has, he said, I'm going to start bringing some of those that he's dumping in Texas, just allowing to cross the border indiscriminately. A lot of times they don't even know who they are, the, our authorities. They don't even know who they are. They could be terrorist leaders. They just don't know. I mean, they're the first to tell you that. Anyway, he said here a while back, he told the press, he said, I'm going to start taking a number of these people that the president's allowing to just come across illegally. He said, I'm going to transport them to Washington, D.C. and drop them off in the Capitol so they'll be close to the president and he can take care of their needs. Everybody laughed because they knew he was just saying that allegorically. Well, maybe not. This morning, the first bus arrived in Washington, D.C. at 8 o'clock this morning. That was just two or three hours ago. He said, I want to uh, help local officials whose communities are being overwhelmed by hordes of illegal immigrants. So he said they're being dropped off by the Biden administration. So he said, we're going to start providing uh, charter buses to send these illegal immigrants who have been dropped off by the Biden administration to Washington, D.C., He said the other day, in regards to this, I saw, and I have his quote here, he said uh, during a press conference, just I I think it was Monday of this week, he he said, we're taking them to the United States Capitol where the Biden administration will be able to more immediately address the needs of the people that he and his administration are allowing to come across the border. Well, the first bus of illegal immigrants arrived from Texas near Union Station on Capitol Hill this morning. The door opened and the migrants came out. It was a 1,700-mile drive from Del Rio, Texas, to Washington, D.C., the capital. And um, these were all people that had um, volunteered. They wanted to go, all illegal immigrants. They had wanted to go to Washington, D.C. It was a 1,700, a little over 1,700-mile journey took 25 hours. They drove straight through. These um, illegal immigrants were told in advance that it was going to be a long trip. They're used to long trips, walking from Central America in many cases. They all said, yeah, we want to go. We want to go to the Capitol. We want to get close to the government and so on. So 25 hours on the road, the Biden administration did not take Governor Abbott seriously when he announced it. So today they got their first uh, group of people. We'll see what President Biden does with it. I'm sure you'll see this in the news today and his response. His response up to this point has been through Jen Psaki, the press secretary, and she has laughed and scoffed about it every time she's been asked. But this is now in progress and is starting to happen. Abbott said, Governor Abbott said also, he said, we will be using some uh, chartered airplanes and uh, but more buses. And he said the loads will be continued. All of this is a result of the Biden administration allowing Title 42 to expire next month. It just simply opened up. That was something that President Trump put in place that really managed, unlike anything in recent years, our border. And the Biden administration has, of course, allowed Title 42 to expire. He will not renew it. So that's what that's about. You'll be hearing it in the news. That gives you a little perspective, hopefully, on what's happening. 
and why it's happening. Yes, I'm sure there's some irony in it for Governor Abbott, and I would guess there's a little bit of politic in it, but I believe that he is making his point. I think he's making it very correctly, not forcing anybody to do anything they don't want to do. It's all volunteers. It's interesting how as our country goes through this very, very difficult time, we talk about changing leadership, we talk about electing these kinds of people and not electing those kinds of people and so on. But everything that everything that is around that embraces the process and the difficulties and the challenges and the disappointments in our collective life as Americans all comes down to one thing. It comes down to voting. It's been said that democracy is based upon the conviction there are extraordinary possibilities in ordinary people. That's true. Alexander Hamilton said this process of election, talking about voting, affords a moral certainty that the office of president will seldom fall to the lot of any man who is not an intimate degree endowed with the requisite qualifications. Unfortunately, sometimes that does happen. Not often, but sometimes. We're experiencing that now. We have elected someone who is not capable of doing the job. They can't help it, but they aren't. And the country is paying the price for it. And particularly when you attach that to an extreme leftist agenda, it's destructive. Thomas Jefferson said, we do not have government by the majority. We have government by the majority who participate. But all of this is based on the integrity of the voting system. And that's what blew up America in this last election. After an all-out attempt to veil the deep involvement in this last 2020 presidential election, Mark Zuckerberg, one of the most powerful people in the world. Why? Because he is the founder and the controller of Facebook. The media, the social media, has taken a role that was not meant for them, and it should have never happened in American life and in that of the world, for that matter. But he and his wife, Priscilla Chan, have sort of promised not to do again in the upcoming election what they did last time. In that, there's some admission that what they did was pretty impactful and probably not appropriate. They won't remain completely inactive, though, but they're saying, well, we won't do in the 2022 election. We promise not to do what we did before. I want to talk to you just for a moment about what they did before and what they're promising as their we-won't-do-that-again option. But do, does he and his wife and others like them really think that we little people of America are that gullible? I think the answer is yes, they do. They get so encased in their bubble that they just assume that we all know nothing except what they tell us. At least that's my take on it. Mark and Priscilla kind of pres- present themselves as true patriots in this last presidential election. They notoriously poured $350 million. In fact, the press got to calling them Zuckbucks or Zuckerbucks. 
They poured it into an effort to get Democrats to vote for Joe Biden, not Bernie Sanders, but Joe Biden. The money was channeled through this organization called CTCL. It's the Center for Tech and Civic Life. It's based in Chicago, Illinois. It leans left, of course. It's a reform advocacy group, they say. It was formed in 2012. The organization pushes leftist voting policies, election administration, so on. has a wide reach. It's deeply involved. It's funded. It's funded by the Skoll Foundation, the Democracy Fund, the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, and the Rockefeller Brothers Fund. To say that there was a reaction from conservatives would be an understatement. You know that, and I know it. So now Zuckerberg and Chan, his wife, are promising not to repeat what they did last year, or last election. Instead, they plan to devote only $80 million to a five-year program they call the U.S. Alliance for Election Excellence. And basically, they're going to be trying to do the same thing all over again with less money. And they set it up, in my view, they've set this up on a five-year plan so that it overlaps not only the upcoming presidential in 2022, but into that several years. So this five-year plan now will not need $350 million, but it will need $80 million. So they're seizing the moment to um, encourage everyone that we promise we're not going to do what we did in the last election. That's how bad this whole election process has gotten. And And then the authorities the press and others, just castigate people. Associated Press is still doing it. They're just lashing at President Trump because he even suggested that there were, it was a rigged election or there were some irregularities. So it's an amazing moment in our history. Associated Press is running this morning or yesterday morning, they're running interference for what the Zuckerberg-Chan couple are doing, and they're trying to describe what it is before people make up their own mind, and they have this long article that I'm not going to go into. But to underscore the integrity of the Zuckerberg commitment, this Ben LeBolt, he was formerly a spokesman for Barack Obama, he's promising, and AP Associated Press is is quoting him, of course, that the 2020 donations were a one-off. He says, quote, as Mark and Priscilla made clear previously, their election infrastructure donation to help ensure that Americans could vote during the height of the pandemic was a one-time donation, given the unprecedented nature of the crisis. They have no plans. This is formerly Obama's guy. Now he's working for them. He said they have no plans to repeat that donation, except for the additional $80 million to ensure another Democratic victory. He didn't say that. I said that. The Heritage Foundation has published an article today. There is a kind of an awakening that we need to start addressing the voting, the integrity of the voting. We can't wake up the day before an election and think, man, we've got to get involved in this. So look for ways as believers, as conservatives, look for ways to get involved in your local voting process as eyes and ears and hands, because I believe that this is the key to the future of our nation, and it makes all the difference in the world as we approach 
these upcoming elections, which I believe will be transformational to this country. Thank you for your support. I appreciate it. We need it. I'll see you right here tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.